0: And here we are. Are are we are we misusing language? Are we jargonizing here? Because lots of people would think uh, what is what's journaling? Don't they mean keeping a diary? Um, And in a sense, yes, the two words can be interchangeable. But the the implication of a diary is that what you're doing is you are keeping a log of events and appointments uh, and perhaps recording in almost minute like fashion. Uh, what they were all about, whereas journaling is is something different. Journaling is more reflective in that what it allows you to do, ideally, daily, if you can, is to just stop and mull over something that's caught your attention in one way or another, the glove on the, uh, on the railing, the homeless man in the street, the vase of flowers that uh, you'd only just realised somebody had put there in the lounge alongside you. And so instead of cataloguing everything that happens in a day in the way that a diary would, a a journal allows you to alight on something, reflect on it uh, more deeply, think around it and see what that tells you about, not just the object or the incident, but about you and your relation to it and its relation to the world. And that is hugely, hugely therapeutic. Uh, I I guarantee that if you don't write a journal and you start writing a journal and you keep it going, you will learn things about yourself that you absolutely never knew and never realised, because you'll find yourself going back and reflecting on what you've been reflecting on that might otherwise just have passed by as an incident that you'd never think about again. Let me give you an example uh, of mine because I did this in the, the, in the hour before we met up. Uh, I sat and thought, if I was if I was going to do what I was going to be in the audience doing what I've just asked the audience to do, where would I go? And I looked, and there was a, a, a vase of tulips. Now, the first thing I, I think is, gosh, they're nice. And then I noticed their erectness; they're absolutely sturdy, and they are thrusting skywards. They're they're aiming for light. And I look more closely and they're white tulips, but actually they have a tinge of pink to them. And then I reflect now, is that actually because the wall behind them is burgundy and somehow the translucent petal is letting the burgundy light through? Or is it the promise of a second colour as the as the, uh, the flower opens fully? Um, so I've got all of that. And I think, right, I could start writing about that. I could explore the physicality of what I see in front of me. But then I think, oh, tulips. And I've got a little tune in my head that's Tulips from Amsterdam. Now, I, I can't remember, I vaguely remember half a tune and I can da dadi da da some words to it. But immediately that takes me away from tulips and back to a scene I can picture in what I guess must be the early 60s. They're only very general, generalised thoughts. There's nothing specific. But this tune takes me back to when I was six or eight and I and I I picture a, an impossibly smiling lady with permed hair in a in a gingham frock with a belt
1: how, how did you define the emptiness and and has that definition stayed stable over the course of your research yeah it's a really a really good question I guess to begin with in thinking about the research one of the key issues was there was no definition so beginning the research we had literally no concept of what emptiness was and and actually I think that was one of the parts of the research that was most interesting it felt like really stepping into uncharted territory and our our kind of intention was not to define emptiness to begin with but to allow um, the participants in the research to define it for us um, and so we started with nothing um, and, and basically set out a, a survey saying you know what is this to you um, and ultimately we ended up with um, a definition that was created by kind of 200 about 250 people um, And the definition goes along the lines of, emptiness is a feeling uh, that one is going through life mechanically, uh, is devoid of emotion and purpose and therefore is empty inside, with emptiness often being bodily felt in the form of a discomfort in the chest. This is coupled with feelings that one is disconnected from others and in some way invisible to others, unable to contribute to a world that remains the same but from which one is distant and detached. So our definition essentially contains kind of three components. Um, The emptiness is around our relationship to ourselves, um, our relationship to other people and our relationship to feeling connected kind of in the world. Um, And that definition, when we started, we had no idea that that's where we were going to end up. um, And we attempted to be as led as possible by what came out of um, the research and what participants told us. It was really interesting actually when we put out this paper because it came out in kind of the middle of 2021 and just before that, kind of at the end of 2020, a a very similar... Um, research group were I think in Canada were had clearly caught into the exact same thing as us and had attempted to come up with a definition of emptiness as well although they used a very different kind of methodology so they um, rather than going directly to kind of people with lived experience they did kind of literature searches and searching the existing material that they could find and produced a definition actually incredibly similar to ours um, which for us was fantastic because it meant that we were all kind of singing, singing from the same hy- hymn sheet Um, But, yeah, interestingly, because there wasn't these kind of clear definitions until only really the last, you know, kind of year, two years, there was lots of kind of floating vague theories about emptiness, but no real clarity. So some of the theories that kind of had existed previously was the idea that um, emptiness is an emotion. So that had been kind of discussed quite historically kind of in psychodynamic literature around emptiness as a kind of emotional experience similar to anger or sadness or joy. Um however for us that didn't really fit because these emotions normally are kind of in direction to something. So we feel happiness in relation to something or we experience sadness as a result of something. Whereas what emptiness was being described as from our participants is this kind of this background, kind of pervasive feeling that wasn't triggered by any particular experience or interaction or stimuli it was just there it was just this ongoing feeling so for us the idea of emptiness as an emotion just didn't quite sit right and then some of the other theories kind of that were floating around were more about kind of the function of emptiness rather than what emptiness was so from some psychodynamic literature there was an idea that emptiness is a defensive kind of subconscious defense against against emotion um so the idea that emptiness is a way of um removing or getting rid of or suppressing painful experiences and from a kind of cognitive behavioral perspective there was a kind of similar idea around emptiness as kind of a, a more conscious process but around avoidance and again avoiding emotion but again these kind of ideas were quite vague and floaty and kind of appeared in the odd paper here and there but weren't actually really Nobody had really got their teeth stuck into it. Um, The the closest, I guess, kind of theory that was kind of beginning to be established and which we've kind of, we feel is probably most aligned to our conceptualisation of emptiness is that of emptiness as an existential experience. So this is a kind of an idea put forward by Radcliffe. And it's the idea that we all experience ourselves in the world all the time. Um, and normally, kind of if we are well and, and doing OK, that experience we don't ever really think about. We, we just experience ourselves as being grounded, as having a cohesive sense of self, of being connected to activity and to other people and just kind of being here. But the idea with emptiness is that emptiness could be, and we believe it is at this stage, an existential experience where that, that process is disrupted in some way where that sense of being grounded and rooted in the world becomes disconnected, becomes detached. And so the way of finding ourselves in the world, which is a a phrase that Radcliffe uses a lot, in emptiness becomes disconnected and detached and uncomfortable. And we suddenly become aware of ourselves as being existentially present, but not comfortable, not settled, not grounded. So there's a few kind of a few of these theories the emotion one that doesn't quite fit for us i guess the idea of functions of emptiness i think is another question entirely and i think there's lots to be kind of understood about the function of emptiness but in terms of theories of what emptiness is and kind of what it represents this idea of an existential feeling for us felt the most close to what our participants were
2: so blue health is again, there is this uh, current preoccupation with trying to understand that what what constitutes Blue Health, what it gives us. And of course, to some extent, that's really, really important. But actually, I've changed my focus and I've changed the charity's focus. We now concentrate on the wonder and the awe. You know, it's something that's wonderful and something that's awe-inspiring. And I think as humans, we're always looking for, for dissecting something. It's not a clock. You know, it's, it's not a condition. It's not an ailment. The sea, in its own right, has, you know, as uh, Hilaire Belloc says, it has moods to fill the storehouse of the mind. You know, there's something that mirrors that of human nature. And it has the peace and tranquility. It has the rage. Uh, it has the uncertainty. It's a paradox, as we are as humans. So uh, it's a very, very long answer to your short question, David. So, you know, it, there's there's a lot about the sea that we don't know and I don't want to know.
0: Okay, um, but I'm going to ask you even more. Uh, go on then, I don't mind, uh, go for it. Well, re- really, I, I just want to know what work you do. You've mentioned uh, Irene, is the, um, how, do you, how did you turn it, the tall
2: ship? She yeah, tall she, ship? She's, um, <clears throat> she was launched in 1907. So she's a hundred foot and she can sleep, including crew, about 14 um, people, um, big wooden vessel. Um, And we've always had, uh, apart from one, we've always had wooden boats because they are poles apart from the more sterile clinical environments that you find in, often in psychiatric care and what people are used to. And we prefer that sort of organic nature. We also have a um, 180 foot um, coastal barge, which is in Penryn behind our headquarters. And we run a number of, um, whether it's art groups, um, one to one. Therapy on board with process groups, yoga, um, creative writing. We have a raft of different programs, but the backdrop is the sea. And when you're in the hold, which is parquet flooring, underfloor heating for the winter, when you look out of the portholes and the tide's in, your feet are under the water—not uh, literally a hasten tide, because that'd be a problem—but you get you get the gist. You can actually see the sea um, at almost eye height. So everything the charity does really has and includes the backdrop of the sea, even the Keyside that we work from. We have 80 metres of Keyside. We have pods, uh, creative pods set on the Keyside with the outlook of the sea. So everything we do, we try to feature the sea as best we can.
1: I think Joe that um, the wonder of wood also features in because the, that's known to have a therapeutic value as well, isn't it? And the, the fact that you're merging something that's that's very much grounded on earth as well as the, the sea at the same time.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and the the very organic nature of wood, the smell. Again, you know, looking at the senses uh, senses are are also crucial. And what I've also observed over the years is the uh, kind of propensity of people to want to nourish and look after the wood um, and to take it back to some extent and then to rebuild it and then to sort of stand back and say, you know, I've done that. But of course, that that process of nurturing and bringing something back to life, I guess we can also... When we look at ourselves that's exactly what we're trying to do as well, which is to bring something of ourselves back from somewhere. You know sometimes when people disassociate for very good reasons as as an illustration there's something about the wood where you can look at it where it was beautiful uh, and it was awe-inspiring and it's changed. Over time it's become UV beaten, it's become generally weather beaten uh, and actually when we start to take that back and we have all our tools and we have the varnish or the oils as we use the Danish oils um, and we bring something back to life that can invite that kind of internal dialogue around, okay, what am I doing to nurture myself, to look after myself? How do I bring myself back from this? And we've had lots of really meaningful conversations with our clients around what it means to come back from somewhere and to to repair. The SOAS is our fight flight centre it's where we store fears and our emotions and it impacts our breathing because it's attached to the diaphragm you know and we have our first trauma don't we the day we're born that startle response and every stressful overwhelming traumatic experience continues to pull 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 which is why we end up with all those problems that need releasing
0: thank you very much so Did you have any problems when you first kind of encountered the uh, trauma release process that led you to
2: adapt your own programme? No, no problems in the sense, David. Um, Language, of course, initially, but um, because in the UK, when you're talking about trauma, it's like, what, don't even have stress? Because it's the old stiff upper lip brigade that we are here, isn't it? Um, But, you know... To me, it was evolving it, evolving it from experience, because I, I was into yoga anyway, and I was able to soon spot how tension impacted physical bodies.